if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 170. This is our 2021 US Open Tips and Selections Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's major action from Torrey Pines. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Good morning. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media, on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I believe you're approaching 2,000 followers, Barry. Is that correct? Getting close, yeah. Give Barry a follow. And I am available at Bamford Golf. He hates it when I do that, but there you go. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. That Golf Betting Show went up yesterday. So um, I think it was about 32 minutes of me spieling on about the US Open. So if that's of interest to you, go and watch it on the our YouTube channel. Now, I have to report, I've got no reviews to read. I can't, be- I can't remember the last time we had no reviews to read at the start of one of our podcasts. So, if you are listening and would like to spare the time to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be most appreciative. The amount of five-star reviews you get as part of your podcast really helps in terms of Apple giving you extra credence and helping you in terms of recommended podcasts. So please, if you could give us a five-star review, that would be fantastic. Just for reference, I thought I'd just total these up. Reviews so far, 120 in the United States, 116 in the UK, 27 in Ireland, 22 in Australia, and of course, don't forget the one in Luxembourg that we got (laughs) last week. So uh, the UK, we're four behind the United States. If you're in the UK, you can spare the time Please send us a five-star review. I did, though, receive this rather nice email on Monday morning. In fact, it was sent at 20 to midnight Sunday night after Chess and Hadley's complete and utter brown trouser moment at the Palmetto. Hi, Steve, Paul and Barry. Just wanted to say a big thank you. Another winner that you have supplied through your brilliant analysis... This, this, I'm not making this up, by the way, guys. This, this is a genuine email. Was it from um, Mrs. Bamford? Higo was first in your shots game total and in yeah, the top 20 of all the categories. Like all of you, I've been close with No Cigar for a while. But thanks to all your efforts, I have now had three winners in the past five weeks. Your show is so entertaining and has changed the way... I now bet on golf. Yeah, I can see that. You now actually get winners. So that's great. Keep up the great work. And that is from Sean 
and he is in the University City of Oxford. So, Sean, thank you, thank you for your email. It was much appreciated. Yeah, and well done for uh, well done for plucking Higo out as well, Sean. Oh, as you say, yeah, statistically, he was at it uh, was very prominent in a lot of your um, your lists and tables last week, Steve, wasn't he? He uh, was. Yeah. I guess it's just a case of whether you could um, take the take the plunge on him being able to turn his form in the European Tour because yeah, he'd won a couple of times, didn't he, over the previous month or six weeks or so. It was such a poor field, wasn't it? But yeah. it, that, that's the that's the Satoshi Kodaira RBC Heritage. Sorry, Barry, for bringing it up. That's don't that kind that, of winner, isn't don't, it? Don't do that. A, a, play, a player that's a player that's got bit far bigger odds than his world ranking and the way that he's been playing outside of the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was an amazing win, um, and just I think I saw a Nosferatu tweet that you know something like two or three hours before the end. That this chance of minus eleven winning was was like zero point one five percent. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, some some yeah. some confluence of factors, and I guess, I guess the thing from our perspective is the unknown about him performing in the states on that bigger level. You know, the the two wins in Europe are at the Canaries Islands and in kind of um, let's say you know almost a blended Euro Challenge Tour um, level fields. So making that jump up to win on the PGA Tour and um, and to play as well as he did on the back nine when everybody else melted, like that's <laughs> that's a big big statement. I was going to use the term vaporized. Okay, <laughs> also also applicable. <laughs> but yes, my lord, there was plenty of brown trouser action going on, wasn't there? Down there, like those last four or five holes, uh, Hadley just completely fell apart. But you kind of knew he was going to. Bovan Pelt. I mean, what was Bovan Pelt doing in the mix? God, he, he probably he makes should me have won. feel. He makes me feel young looking at that grey hair. It at looks least like, I've, I've got grey hair, but at least I've, I've got some ginger within it. But it had me. It had me like uh, confused for the whole evening. I was like, he looks like somebody, and it finally clicked. Like he looks like Neil Young with the sideburns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Neil Young. He does, doesn't he? God, he could have had it. There were so there's so many of them who would just be banging their heads off the wall like after that that tournament. Like they, <laughs> incredible. I'm pretty certain, you know, Barry, that despite finishing second in a PGA Tour event, he's still like something like 171st in the FedEx Cup by Van Pelt because he's been so awful. But yeah, there was just it was just a very weird leaderboard. But and Higo just just yeah, I think there were four there were. Th- at least four above Higo in the leaderboard, like, and they were playing fourteen or fifteen, the fifteenth, the leaders, mm. and they just all started throwing bogeys at the problem because they didn't want to win. Yeah, oh, even in, I didn't see what price he was at that kind of kind of time, but you know, it has still been a you know a pretty long price at that point um, with with the players still able to just pile themselves in and and, and comfortably beat his score, but. None of them could do it, could they? It was, um, as you say, capitulation after capitulation. Congry, sorry, go on, man. Let's say just a little thing from Congry was, uh, you know, really enjoyable to watch a new course, and I thought it played quite well. Um, You know, they had a bit of rain to deal with um, that softened it a touch, but there was plenty of run on the ball. The runoff areas are good. The I don't know what we call waste areas now because. For whatever reason, they're choosing to do it on tour. Um, look, I don't, it doesn't really bother me. Deep, deep bunkers, you know. So I, 
thought it was a good golf course. I could see how it could be an entertaining uh, host for the President's Cup if they do get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no pushover either, was it? It was. Um, it was a fair test. Yeah, it's it's kind of what we wanted. The course, wasn't it? I was getting some abuse on Twitter on Thursday saying, Steve, you said this would be a tough golf course and it's easy. And then from that point on, it the score never really got any easier, did it? The actual total didn't move forward that much. No, well, it started um, about... It was, about, it was fair, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yeah. I, wouldn't class, I wouldn't classify it as like overly firm and fast, but it, it certainly kept them at their kept the kept the wits about the players. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a really good first introduction of the course to a tour level uh, event. You know, it wasn't. They didn't push the boundaries on it too far, uh, but it gave a really good flavor for what the course can do and. You could definitely see how that could be highly entertaining with the ball just running for miles if they fir- if they got the fairways with a bit more uh, firmness in them. It really would um, make you shape your shots a bit more when you're trying to cut off those corners and make those carries so you don't run through the far side of the fairway. Yeah. I'd be okay with seeing that a tournament on that course again. To back Sean up from Oxford, Higo within my eight-week trackers was 15th for off the tee, 19th for approach, 18th for around the green, 5th tee to green, 3rd for putting, 1st for strokes gained total over the last eight weeks, and I went nowhere near him. 45 to 1, Garrick Higo. There's a little bit of 50 out there as well, I think. But yeah, the first price I saw with Higo on Monday was 30 to 1, and I looked at that and thought, what? You know, yeah, for a, for a guy making his PGA Tour debut, regardless of how well he's played, as and as Barry said in some lower level European Tour events, um, it is you know, it was a difficult one for me to rationalise. But uh, but no, well done all you guys who managed to pluck him out. And I saw quite a few um, winning okay. slips on Twitter and Facebook over the weekend. So uh, some some that some is some rise, isn't it? Mm. Two European Tour victories and now a full PGA Tour victory, despite how doesn't matter how weak the field was, but it's cold, a full two-year exemption now on the PGA Tour. Full FedEx Cup mm. points, the whole shebang. Before you know it, he'll be living in Florida, tax-free, and having a good life on the PGA Tour. How old? He, he's a young lad as well, 22, isn't he? yeah. He's Unbelievable. 22. Uh, life changing. So yeah, was he up to thirty eighth in the world, something like that now? Thirty eighth, wow. in that kind of bracket. So um, yeah. Oh, and he's all. It also uh, as was it Nosferatu said that he's also he's got one week until the cutoff, but he's now going to be playing in the Olympics if it all stays the same. Really, huge <laughs> yeah. no, I've got got a lot of time for the lad. He's uh, he's very very talented and it'd be fascinating to see how he progresses from here over the next uh, next few years that that shot he played to 17 where he was balanced on the edge of the bunker i think it was 17 his feet were balanced on the edge of the bunker and mm-hmm. managed to just hold his balance until impact hit a great shot and then you know did the dramatic fall back in like just it was awesome. Fair play. Um, that's some. That's meteor, a stratospheric rise, meteoric rise. Like and uh, um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to Gary Player being beside him uh, at the Masters next year. Yeah, I've got a couple of. We'll move on to the US Open. Clearly, that um, that needs to be focused upon in this pod. Um, twenty twenty one US Open. As I always say on on our tips and uh, picks previews um, pods. 
we have pulled together a full research preview. It's the previous podcast to this, so podcast 169. We talk, I think it's 70 minutes about what we're looking for, the kind of players we're looking for, how Torrey Pines South course is likely to play. Um, and there were some early thoughts on players in that. So I, I refer you to this. This one, I think we're going to talk just more about the odds that are available on players, who we like at the top of the market, who we don't like at the top of the market. I've got a question here that arrived on Twitter overnight asking um, Paul and Barry in terms of what European Tour players might fit this week from a, um, a DraftKings perspective. Someone you can get at low ownership that's being uh, the, from a European Tour. Um, Matt Southgate was mentioned. So just I'll, I'll ask you for your thoughts on that as we go through as well. But yes, 2021 US Open, Torrey Pines. It's on the South course. It's a... Um, it's a, effectively a bell design from, I think, 1957. But this golf course has received plenty of work over the years from the one and only um, US Open doctor, Reese Jones. And he's um, he's done some re- recent work to this as well. It's going to play 7.685 in terms of yardage uh, and a par 71. The greens are relatively small at 5,000 square feet average. They feature, of course, the famous West Coast Poana. Um, who knows what the stimp's likely to be, but hopefully for US Open, it's going to be approaching 12 over the weekend. Maybe more than that, hopefully. What was confirmed yesterday on the um, greenkeeper sheet was that the, the rough this year is going to be along the fairways, three to five inches. Some of the rough I saw behind the 18th would suggest it's longer than that in certain spots, and I'm sure it is. But what was also mentioned on that greenkeeper sheet was that there's quite a big difference with the rough this time of year. In um, fe- uh, January, when the Farmers Insurance Open is played on this course, clearly the the, the actual agronomy is far. Um, there's more moisture in the in the course, on the fairways and on the greens. But the actual rough itself features a lot less kikuyu and more Bermuda at that time of year. There's a Bermuda overseed within that rough. But uh, this time of June, it's going to be full-on kikuyu grass mixed with rye grass. And and when you're talking five five inches of it, just off the uh, the first cut of rough, I'm sure they'll do some of the graduated rough, like a, a yard or yard and a half of a graduated rough into the thick stuff, which seems to be the US Open strategy these days. As we said last week, guys, I, I expect, you know, if you're short and crooked and um, you're hitting um, the rough, deep rough, you've probably got an instant shot penalty. If you're a bomber and you're crooked and you're hitting some of this thick rough, you've probably got half a shot penalty. I think that's kind of where the US Open is going to sit this year in terms of the south course. It is extremely long. And when you're hacking out of this Kikuyu grass onto very firm, fast, hopefully fast, Poana greens, um, it, it isn't really the recipe for success long term, I think. But as we discussed, US Opens have been absolutely dominated of late by the long bombers. 
DJ Deshambo Brooks Kepka being the last uh, we've won for last four or five, haven't they? In terms of the US Open. Yeah, that's that's good. I, I and, think... Wo- and Woodland, I mean, Woodland's no slouch. I've, I've got his number here actually. Woodland, when he won at Pebble Beach, was ranking in the eleventh um, off the tee that particular season. I think he was in the top ten for driving distance, all drives as well. So power ultimately seems to be the defining factor in terms of the actual physical winner of this. Yeah, I mean, there should be a penalty for, for missing fairways at the US Open. That's kind of been the mantra, wasn't it? It always used to be the mantra that, um, you know, if you are um, missing fairways, then you're going to have to chop out or you're not going to make the green and you're going to have to have a sparkling wedge or a short game to, to get yourself and make, make a par. And, you know, if that pushes the winning score this week closer to level par and um, from memory from the research pod, um, the 2008 uh, US Open was plus one. Right, right there. When uh, when Woods and yeah. Mediates, um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think it was one, one under one under for the playoff, and Westwood was level par, yeah. level in me. So yes, it was it, yes. it was bang around that uh, level par number for the week, and uh, yeah, I, I would I would hope that we get to see something quite similar this week. And if the if the rough is as um, challenging and deep as you've just just described, then. Uh, then that should be good. We should be looking forward to seeing how the players tackle that. I think they these days they almost have to have the rough at either like light, thin, and wispy with like a very high chance of flyers coming from it, or just really thick, deep, and heavy like this. Because the guys, the, the tour pros are so good, um, and the technology is so uh, helpful and beneficial to them in getting out of these lies in the rough that. They almost have to go as extreme as this three to five inches of Kikuyu, like just thick bladed, chunky grass to to exact a penalty on them for missing fairways. So, well, it, it might be, um, it might look, appear to maybe it'd be a little bit boring on the face of it. It's it's one of the only kind of defenses they have to 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 combat the power uh, and skills that these guys have and try identify who who is the best golfer. And that's their mantra. Like they're saying, we're not trying to like um, expose golfers. We're trying to identify the best ones. Um, yeah. Ho- hopefully, the, hopefully they achieve that this week. If it feels for, like right now going into it and with the way it's set up, it feels like they have a chance of, uh, of doing that, you know, with firm and fast fairways, you know, this is the kind of week that you'd love to have the driving accuracy of an LPGA tour player up at 80%. But um, we just know that's not the way the men's game is played, so it'll no. be uh, a lot of guys going bombs away. Yep, yep. Hopefully, I, I look back at Wingfoot last year, that I kind of had it in my mind. I still can't forget the Thursday when players were just peppering greens at Wingfoot and it was spinning back 15, 20 yards, and that kind of tilted my memory. But when you actually went back, and you compared the greens and regulation numbers to those of the 2006 US Open where Ogilvy won, they were pretty similar, which would suggest that the you know the USGA had got the course kind of pretty close to where they had in 06. It wasn't quite as extreme as 06, but it was it was difficult enough to hit greens to make this a real grind, and that's what I'm hoping for this year. 
And what that means is that if you're, I mean, Tiger Woods won at 63.9% GIR in 2008, and Rocco Mediate was on exactly the same greens and regulation percentage. Lee Westwood, who was finished a shot out of the playoff at level par, only hit 62.5% of greens. And that says to me, you know, when you've got this kind of golf course where even the best ball strikers are struggling to hit 70% of greens, you need a short game. And that is what ultimately is putting me off the likes of a Victor Hovland, a Colin Morikawa, who, you know, in current form are in the top five, if not Morikawa, probably the best iron player on the planet. But when he does ultimately finish off greens and in trouble, his up and down game just is not of the elite standard that we get at the rest of the top of the market in terms of uh, odds. And that's the kind of angle that I'm taking on it. I think you need someone... Now, it's a very all-round challenge, isn't it? The U.S. Open. Do you? You've not literally think- got to have. You've got to have that facet of being able to hit enough greens, scramble and and make those ten, eight, ten foot putts for par that keep that momentum going. Just, just a question on. Do you not think that when the rough is thick around the greens, it kind of levels or flattens the playing field a little bit in terms of? Um, the the best short game players versus the worst ones because Dep- gen- in general. It depends where you're missing, as per usual. If you're well, missing on the yeah. wrong side, it don't matter where you're missing, does it? But but there's only one or two kind of types of shot you play out of that. Just to, to you know, you pop it up, you get it onto the green, you get it rolling out. Whereas if the you know it's not going to happen at Torrey, but on let's say last week where the um, the surrounds of the greens were, were were cut right back, you've guys choosing putter or hybrid like Hadley or oh, yeah. you know do I play bump and runs? They have infinite numbers of shots and shot types, and I think weeks like that help identify the or help um, the better short game uh, players uh, separate themselves from the the weaker ones. So I mean. Because I think if everybody misses the green this week, it's just chop down, get that ball popped up in the air and, you know, hopefully not overspinning and just kind of control it as much as you can to, if you can get it inside six, eight foot, that's probably a win for uh, missing the green. I think Paul Casey also tweeted overnight that you don't need to be just as wary of the rough this this year. He said the bunkers are absolutely hideous here at, at the South Coast. So, so some of these bunkers around the greens are fierce. <laughs> so there's, there's plenty of hazards there. That, there's no doubt about that. I'll tell you what I was going to do. As I said, people can refer to 169 podcast in terms of more detail. I've run some statistics on the top of the um, the odds board this week. Because I, I don't really hear this anywhere else. And I, I thought I'd dig into it in terms of how... The, the elite, how the top guys in the betting this week have done in recent majors. So I've gone back to the 2017 Masters, and I've just looked. So the maximum amount of um, majors you could have played was 17. And I just, I've, I've divide, divided it up, wins, top fives, top tens, and just see, and we'll run through them in terms of price. So I'll go in reverse order. Patrick Reed is 30 to 1, 17 majors, he's 1-1. Top five to twice, top tens. This is additional top tens, three. So that's a reasonable record. Patrick Cantley is a twenty-five to one shot. Fourteen majors, no wins, one top five, one top ten. So there's not a lot of success there from Cantley. 
Fee now, 25 to 1, 15 majors. I won't even bother with the zero wins. Um, four top fives and a further five top tens. So he's had nine each way payouts if you were backing him uh, top uh, 10 places each way. He's had ten, uh, nine each way payouts from fifth, the, his last 15 majors, Tony Fina. Uh, Colin Morikawa, 22 to 1, six majors, one win, no top fives, one top 10. Justin Thomas, now I've mentioned this on previous pods and previous majors, 22 to 1, 16 majors, one win, one top five, and three additional top 10s, which I think for a guy of Thomas's ilk and who often goes off at 12 or 14 to 1 in a major is pretty disappointing for a major record. Um, Spieth, 20 to 1, 17 majors, one win, three top fives, and an additional top 10. Rory McIlroy, he's another 20 to 1 shot. 17 majors, no wins. Four top fives and additional four top tens. So that's eight each way payouts from his last 17 majors, McIlroy. Brooks Kepka, he's an 18 to 1 shot. 15 majors, he's missed a couple with injury. Four wins, four additional top fives and two additional top tens. So by my rudimentary ma- uh, mathematics, that's 10, 10 majors out of the last 15 where you would have got a payout from Brooks Kepka. That's pretty mad. Uh, Xander, everyone's darling this week. Xander Chauvelet on his home course. 16 majors, no wins, six top fives and two additional top tens. So yeah, eight each way payouts in his last 16 majors for Xander, which is some record. Uh, Dustin Johnson, 16 majors, one win, four top fives and additional two top tens for the world number one. And then John Rahm, he is the runaway favourite. Bet These prices, by the way, all bet 365, eight places each way, 50 odds this week. Rahm, 10 to 1, 17 majors, no wins, four top fives, an additional three top tens. So seven each way payouts from 17 majors for John Rahm, who is 10 to 1. Yeah. That's that. That to me, it just kind of highlights players because you don't you don't tend to get the raw stats on who does what in majors, and that those stats just bring it to light. Who seen who have better records at the big major tournaments over the last? Well, we're coming up. That would be twenty seventeen. So this would be uh, what, four and a half years of majors in that across that time. Yeah, but he's yeah, been backed right. off the boards as well, Ryan. Been backed off the boards, mate. Eight to one with Paddy Power this morning. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can see why. Uh, you know, he clearly likes the track. He was absolutely flying when he had to withdraw. What was it a week and a half ago now, wasn't it? Um, with, uh, with with COVID, I've not seen anything to say that he's had any repercussions from that. Um, punters are putting two and two together. The Price is pretty prohibitive now. Um, going back to some stats that you've quoted in the past, Steve, where you've talked about winning prices of first-time major champions, um, <clears throat> this is pretty. It'd be pretty out of kilter with that to see Ram win. Extreme, isn't it? Yeah. Very extreme. Yeah. Just to back Paul up on that, you go back to 2016. Danny Willett won the Masters, first ever major, 66 to one, the shortest first-time winner 
of a major has been Dustin Johnson, 2016 US Open at Oakmont. Bearing in mind that DJ had been banging on the door for years. 16 to 1. The next shortest beyond that was actually Bryson DeChambeau in this last year, 25 to 1. US Open last 11 renewals going back to 2010. The average winning price of the US Open is 40-40 to 1. Is it Ram's fault he's so good and his price is that short and all the factors are like converging together to have him so short? Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. So, by the way, I've, got, I've quoted it. He's actually 17 to 2 this morning with Treble 8 Sport. The, 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 the unknown, the real unknown is does he have any like after effects of COVID? Is he a little bit fatigued? Will he like be. Like, like, is he as fighting fit as he was at Memorial for yeah. seventy-two holes? I, that's yeah. that's a that's a big enough question mark for me, uh, especially when the price is that short. So, I will be swerving him this week. If he wins, great for him. Being holed up, being holed up for seven days in your bedroom isn't the best prep for a major, is it? I don't know, when you self-isolate. Mm. These people, you know, don't forget, these people aren't just uh, machines and statistic rows. They're actually people, and this is the point, isn't it? I, I, for me, I, I couldn't, I couldn't back that. But there you go. Um, he clearly loves the course. Won his first uh, PGA Tour victory here, didn't he? So seventeen to two. I don't, I can't recall a major recently where someone's been as short as that. I also can't recall a major, and I actually received an answer overnight on this, and I put a tweet out there. When was the last time Rory McIlroy was 20 to 1 in a major? <clears throat> do, you, do, you, do you know that one, Baron? <laughs> what, wasn't he, was it the last, was it PGA he started out about that price, didn't he? Uh, 18, was, yeah. Yeah, see, like... I, I went I went out, I got up in my loft and went through all of my records the other way and I got bored at around about the start of 2019 it was too hot up there and uh, there was there was nothing 20 to one um the, the tweet I got back the reply that I'm looking at at the moment suggests it was the uh, it was the open championship of 2017 at Southport wow. it was 20 to one 2017 open. Just just bear in mind, this guy won six weeks ago on a classical-style golf course. He has a an absurd record in um, in Tarry Pines, 5th, 3rd, and 16th for you know the three farmers he's played. It's, you know, he's one of my picks. I couldn't ignore it. He's working oh. on, you know, he's, he's working mm-hmm. on a fade with Pete Cowan as well. That They've been working on that. Tony Finau been quoted as saying he loves Tarry Pines because it suits his fade shape off the tee. You know, Barry sitting down last night with a glass of wine pops on the flyovers of Tarry Pines. There are a lot of fade tee shots there. So Rory, Rory, Rory's my picks. I backed him each way. Oh, sorry, not each way. I backed him just to win on the exchange. I got twenty three point zero. I'm dead. I'm dead happy. Now, listen, there's the Rory Factory. You'll probably go out and shoot 75. It'll all be over on Thursday, but at least the disappointment will be just... It'll be like ripping off a Band-Aid very quick if, if it does go south, but... Yeah, it has been his starts, hasn't it? It's been yeah. his, his, um, his Thursday performances, first whole performances, which have been, yeah. uh, been yeah. just 
kind of crippling him from the start, haven't they? They've been uh, they've been causing him causing him problems, and you're playing catch up from the from the very outset. Um, yeah, a lot of those top those four top fives and additional top tens will have been kind of what I classify as backdoor. There haven't yeah. been many where he's been in the real heat. Of the f- I can remember a Masters where he was. Did he go out with Spieth in a final group Saturday, and went yeah. backwards? But there yeah. there haven't been many where Rory is basically yeah Rory shooting seventy six on day one and then just once he knows he can't win playing properly and just roaring through the field. That's the that's the killer. If the big question, the big if, if he can get off to a like a start that doesn't put him at like out of the tournament. For mm. from a winning perspective, so but like twenty three, I, I couldn't resist it. No, yeah. it's a good price. It is a very good price. And at some point, the the fruits of his labour with Pete Cowan are gonna gonna really start to shine through, and mm-hmm. we we probably won't be privy to that information until he turns up one week and everyone's looking and thinking, "Wow, you know that that's that that's much much better, Rory." Um, yes. Yeah. You know, when he won a few weeks back, as you just described, it was his short game, it was his putting, really, that which got him over the line. It wasn't his long game, which still looked a bit um, decidedly iffy at times. But when he, but he had the length. Season, I mean, he yeah. had the distance. He had the distance off the tee, like real serious distance that week. And and we kind of, I suppose, we deduced that it was a tactic of his just to hit it as far as possible there, mm-hmm. and make me. Bryson did it last year at winged foot. Maybe that's the tactic here, you know. You're, everybody's going to hit low percentage fairways this week, so just be far. If he can grab another 5-10% over his last or his recent performances, it, it could all come together. But uh, the, the key hole for him this week is the first hole. Can he yeah. just get a good tee shot away, a good middle of the green, solid two putts, you know, take your par, thanks very much, and off we go. Yeah. We'll see. Since 2008, start of, one player in this field has 11, yes, 11 PGA Tour victories on Poana or bent Poana mix greens. His name is Dustin Johnson. He's the world number one. What did you make of his play at the Palmetto last week? Do you well, think he's a good, good bet this week, DJ? You would have expected him to push on and win that tournament kind of at the halfway point when uh, he, he would have been clear favourite at that point um, to, to go forward and win but um, kind of just drifted away didn't he even before the capitulations of the guys at the very top um, he, he was he was way out of it um, whether, whether it's you know that won't have been a massive target for him but even so a player of his quality in a field of that weakness in the position that he found himself in um should be converting, in my view. He hit one bad shot when he was he he was in deep in the hunt. One bad shot led to that triple bogey. Man, com- compounded with a couple of things, but that tee shot put like was the the genesis for the the triple to happen. So I look, there was a lot of good stuff from him there. Um, I don't know because I picked Rory. I'm not backing DJ. You know, I can't just go grabbing everybody at that price. So. I think DJ's saving his powder for sandwich to the open. But yeah, the the good thing I liked about DJ was because DJ was in contention, um, Brooks Kepka was 14 to 1 at the start of last week's tournament, the Palmetto. He, he was sec, clear second favourite. 
And as Brooks missed the cut and DJ was playing well, all of a sudden that completely reversed. And DJ was as short, I think, as 14s, maybe even 12s with a couple of firms as that tournament was ongoing. And then DJ clearly didn't convert. And there's definitely improvement there from DJ, but I don't, I don't think it's DJ coming second at the Houston Open the week before he won the Masters. It didn't come across to me as that kind of peak DJ. And that doesn't come across in his numbers either. Don't forget, you, I think he turned up there, didn't he? Wasn't he T to green, number one, number one for so many categories at Houston the week before he turned up and won the Masters? Except for putting. Is that what you would be expecting then from DJ or wanting to see from DJ last week? Just like absolute yeah. cru- cruise control T to green and the, putter, the putter's useless, but he figures it out between now and the next event. Yeah. I mean, it was good. It was far better than he has been playing, but it just didn't seem to me to be DJ the week before he won the Masters last year, which he was just absolutely... In fact, I'll read you the numbers. He was first for strokes going off the tee and second for strokes going tee to green at Houston, 15th for putting. I'll give you the same numbers from last week. 20th at the Palmetto for tee off the tee. 13th for tee to green, so okay. 28th for putting. He hasn't exactly got the best record at Torrey Pine South, and we can discuss the fact that he was getting off a jet from Abu Dhabi the week before most weeks. But yes, I know he's had a third here. But yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting character this week, DJ, but he's not for me. The one I've plumped for at the top, the very top, is Brooks Kepka. I mean, I, I just can't ignore a guy that's got by far, and I mean by far, by a country mile, the best recent major record four wins four additional top fives two additional top tens in his last 15 majors and actually he didn't give a stuff about last week but he was in the top 10 for strokes gained off the tee if you took the whole field he was driving the ball very nicely which is exactly what he's got to do this week and you just know at a US Open with Kepka, find middle of the greens and just grind out pars Make the odd birdie. He'll be there on Sunday. That's my opinion. So I, I took Kepka two rounds around the South Course last five years. I think he's a, he's missed the cut on both, but I think he's shot 72 both times he's played the South Course. So I took Kepka at 18-1. to 1. That's my lead tip this week. Brooks Kepka 18-1 to 1 to win this week's US Open. Two points each way. Yeah, and you know, bearing in mind that he... Opened the PGA Championship um, a few weeks back with a double bogey on his first hole, and you know had a, a real live chance of winning that uh, that golf tournament. Um, yeah, you, you, I can see the logic. Um, I've not backed anyone at the top of that market, um, but if I do, it will be Brooks, and it will probably be a late trade um, if the price continues to drift out of him. The more and more action that we see for the likes of uh, John Rahm and um, Xander's been backed in quite heavily, as you, you described earlier. Um, that'll only help push out the price of someone like Kepka. And uh, if I'm getting 22 or thereabouts on the exchange for Kepka, I'm quite happy to take that and uh, and, and see how that transpires over the course of the week. Um, as you said, he, he just he, he focuses, he targets the major championships as his. You know that that's that's the reason he plays golf. Um, last week wouldn't have been remotely of interest to him. He missed the cut, so what? It's immaterial, wasn't it? 
He even Amazing. said as much. He's just like, yeah. yeah, I was just here to tune stuff up. Like, yeah. I'm here for reps, was his yeah. comment, yeah. yeah here yeah, for yeah. reps. I, I'm sorry, I can't really focus on these PGA Tour events when the fields are so poor, like the Palmetto. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't say that. I can only focus with... The other thing is, I mean, it's all, it's all BS really, isn't it? But uh, at the very back of Brooks's mind, beating, um, winning the US Open the year after Bryson DeChambeau, has handed back the trophy. I, that must be a little motivating factor when it's yeah. like, come to Brooksy. Here comes my third US Open tr- winning trophy. He, he has to have a bunch of like tweets around the number five. You know, he hits it like the four out of the six. He, he's got, he has them all lined up. They it's, can't, if, if US Open tradition is correct, is uh, did I hear something about the the US Open defending champion traditionally gets placed with the leading amateur and someone else? So they can't be grouped together in rounds one and two. Did, is that something either of you have come across? The the the, the amateur one is correct. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Everybody's clamoring for them to be put together. Do you think that happens? No, not a chance. I, I don't think it'll be manufactured. No, there, there, there will be a point and probably a point really quite soon where they end up in the same group by default from their position. Please, please let it happen. It would be awesome. <laughs> They'll probably shake hands, have a laugh yeah. and a joke and just crack on. I think a lot of it is to get part of this 40 million from the social media fund, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, yeah, that's the cynics coming out in us. But it does feel like it is semi-manufactured, right? Like it has to be. Yeah, of course it is. Free money if you just like put on a little drama. Um, I'll tell you what else I was going to mention at this point. We've got so much to go through. Um, last US Open winners... I'm going back to Jordan Spieth in 2015. Spieth had won the Masters before winning the US Open. Uh, Dustin Johnson had finished fourth at the Masters before winning the US Open. Brooks Koepka had finished 11th at the Masters and fourth at the PGA the year before. If we look at Brooks Koepka when he won the second time, he didn't play the Masters because I believe he must have been injured. He was 13th at the PGA and 6th at the preceding Open. Even Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, one of your best ever returns in golf betting, Barry. Your Nadir. He was 8th at the PGA preceding his US Open victory. I, I, I had him recorded the 80-1. to one. And... Last year, Bryson DeChambeau had been been playing absolute garbage during the playoffs. But if you go back to the preceding major, he'd finished fourth at Harding Park behind Colin Morikawa. So there's a definite trend there in terms of you know finishing at least in the top thirteen in the two preceding majors. I'll just run you through some of those well those players this year, yeah. Uh, Masters, Matsuama, Zalatoris, Spieth and Xander, Leishman, Rahm, Rose, Corey Connors, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, Cam Smith, Stuart Sink, Brian Harmon, Siwoo Kim, Rob McIntyre, Kevin Nart and Simpson were the top 12. PGA, last time out, Phil could do the double. Phil was first, Brooks was second with Louis. Paul Casey and Shane Lowry in fourth, and then Answer, Fee now again, Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, I know you're quite sweet on Paul, Kevin Streelman, John Rahm, Rose, and Will Zalatoris again. So those 
are the players that would fill that particular criteria. We've also got a situation ongoing where the last five winners of the US Open have ranked 2nd, 7th, 8th, 13th and 1st for driving distance in the season they won the US Open. So I'll take you through the top 20 of the current driving distance charts. One, DeChambeau. You must have been looking at this last night with your glass of red, Barry. Rory is second. Cam Champ third. Clark, Wyndham Clark fourth. I think Wyndham Clark wouldn't be a bad punt for a, a, a um, DraftKings team. DJ at six. We've then got Wacky Neiman at nine. Gary at ten, Woodland. Uh... Dylan Fratelli, 13. Johnny Vegas, 14. Brooks in 16th. Sergio, 17. Adam Scott, another one that Paul is sweet on, in 20th position in driving distance this year. So some interesting pointers, it has to be said. Some very interesting pointers. I filled my books with, I filled my boots with Brooks. Barry has filled his boots. Oh, he's had a tickle even on Rory. So those are the two. Fade of the week. We didn't actually do it the last couple of podcasts. Easy. I'm going to ask both of you, who would be your fade of the week from uh, Justin Thomas That's up the one. in the betting? <laughs> It's, it's Thomas. So, Thomas, Morikawa, Spieth, Xander, Rory, DeChambeau, DJ, Brooks, John Rahm. Who's your fade? Thomas. Paul? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I can't go near Justin Thomas until he um, finds the putter. And if he finds it this week and I'm wrong, then so be it. But, um, yeah, I, he's not even formed any part of my decision-making this week. It's just a, a straight line through Justin Thomas for me. I don't think it's a contest between him and any. There's none of the other guys would even push him close in that in that no. question. No, I'm with you. I, I don't mean, fancy Thomas. I, I'm not really a fan of Jordan Spieth either this week. It has to be said. But yeah, I think I think Thomas ultimately. The other thing is, people. Oh yeah, but you know, when he won the PGA, forty-five to one, he didn't play that great. Uh, he wasn't playing that great. But actually, when you looked at what he'd done at Firestone the week before, I think he'd shot the best score over the weekend. He'd started abysmally, found something, great momentum. There's none of that. His his memorial. Uh, I think he shot three or four over the last round of uh, the Memorial Tournament. In fact, he's getting worse as the tournament went on. The one thing I will say is he did seem to have found the driver strokes going off the tee, but. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a straight JT fade. Yeah, his, his long game hasn't been the issue recently. It's simply been like the passer, isn't it? Yeah, you know some some of the strokes gained metrics coming out from his tee to green, his off the tee, his approach game has been really quite impressive. Um, and he's led the field in some of those, you know, longer game aspects over the last few weeks and months. But yeah, when he's pushing just standard putts 10, 10 feet past and and three putting for fun. You can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that at the US Open this week. And, and he's going to a sur- like a surface like Poana that'll put all the heebie-jeebies in your putting stroke because you you know you know it's going to bobble around and uh, so on. I mean, does does like incoming form of miscut fortieth and forty second his last three events inspire any confidence in you uh, backing him at the same price as Rory McIlroy? 
No, no, for sure. And he, and he certainly wasn't in that Masters or PGA um, action, was he, in terms of that preceding or those two preceding majors. The other thing with Thomas is he always says he only plays golf courses he likes. And in, in his own words, he only ever plays golf courses on his schedule that he has a chance of winning at. Well, he never comes here. Never plays this tournament. I think he's played here once, got a top 10, but he just doesn't put it in his schedule. He doesn't play Pebble Beach. I just don't think he's that comfortable on West Coast power. And like you said, when he's parting so badly, coming to a surface he don't like, yeah, I'd, I'd be taking Rory McIlroy myself over um, Justin Thomas. People want opinions. When he wins, we'll get shot down. I'll take the if he wins, I'll take the hits. Like the what, other, well, yeah, what else can yeah, he do? My, my other question for you two: What do you think of Xander? This Xander is forty. I mean, I don't. We've often said this, but the guy that puts the odds together at Unibet. But can be. I think he, he sometimes smokes a little bit, bit because he's fourteen to one this week with the Unibet Xander. Okay, That's well, second favourite. I understand why he's played four U.S. Opens and his worst finish is sixth place. He's he's playing at a course he has lifetime experience at, uh, and like he's he just shows that he like plays well in the majors. And there's the long-term fear of the bookies of him actually winning anything in, in, in terms of a major. Plus, they, they want to put ed, everyone off the hunt of backing him each way because, as we've said yeah. it towards the top, he's an each-way major machine like Tony Fee now. You can see what the bookies are up to with all of these odds. They, 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 they know these stats more than we do. How do you think him playing in his home city, is that going to motivate or is that going to actually hinder him mentally? He finished second, didn't he, behind um, Patrick Reed earlier in the year it's, um, when they played here at the Farmers Insurance Open. And that's really the first time that he's, um, he's found his game playing on the track. And perhaps that mental aspect has finally, finally started. But there was, to, no, there was no crowd, was it? That's no, the no, first no, time no. he's played decent here with no crowd, which would suggest, that's what I'm kind of thinking. I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure it stacks up. No. The, the other side... Go, go, Xander, Xander, go, go. That's all he's going to be getting. Oh, uh, there's, a lot of bi- there's a lot of build-up. It's almost too perfect a storm with all the factors, you know, uh, coming together. You know, the the home course and, you know... Pressure. Loves it, the pressure, the... Fa- it's just, it's... It's one of those ones where it, it screams that you should back it, but there's also that niggling little doubt in the back of your head saying, don't back it. It's just, it's too perfect. It's not going to happen. So, you might have said the same before Shane Lowry won the Open. But, oh, yeah. I know, I know. Well, yeah, but that, that <laughs> see, the, the thing was, Rory was taking all the heat that week. That's for, true. That is very that true. That is yeah. very, very, very true. It was all Rory, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah you, you're bang on. Okay, I think we discussed the top of the mark, the very top of the market, quite a bit there. Um, if anyone's got any questions or feedback, just of course tweet us. Um, Twitter handles at the front of the show. Uh, for some opinions. I'm going to jump to a question that I was asked, chaps, and then we'll go a little bit more into who we have actually physically back this week. The question I received was on Twitter. And basically, I'm desperately finding it while we're recording this. Um, Brian, who's a, a regular contributor on Twitter, asked me overnight his view, or for my view, on Brian Porter Stevenson at 
Fox Feeds Sheeple on Twitter asked, greetings. Um, does Southgate make sense as a DFS DraftKings play this week? And that just got me thinking. Paul, Barry, you, you cover the European Tour. Paul, clearly. And Barry, you, you, you back and watch it a bit. Any players kind of under the radar off the European Tour you think could you know make the cut, make a top 30 finish, or potentially even better this week at the US Open? Who would, who would fit for you two? Yeah, I I can see I can see Brian's point on Southgate. Um, and again, if you look back, uh, I forget which which Open Championships they were, but when 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 he started playing in some of the major championships, qualifying for the Open, um, he's, he had some decent Open Championship records. The thing with Southgate is a kind of a linksy style um, upside for him. If if he's playing on that kind of track, then you could uh, you could see, you could see him going well. He's still struggling to convert on the European Tour when you know with a decent position, a decent opportunity staring him in the face. Now I'm not, you know, I don't think Brian's asking is is Matthew Southgate going to win? Um, mm. Can he? Can he make low cut? low ownership play? Yeah. A low ownership play on DK that gets you a top thirty five. That's yeah, but, uh, yeah. I I I don't think I'd put anyone off at the price six thousand two hundred. I don't think I'd put anyone off sprinkling him into the team. Um, for me, there were probably a few, a little bit, slightly, you know, slightly more expensive. Someone like a Thomas Detry, again, he was second on his last start over on the European Tour, um, six six, and and Detry's again, uh, you know, like Southgate, he's, he's one who's struggled to get over the line um, on the European Tour on regular European Tour events, but um, there's certainly something, something about his game that um, you know. Would suggest that he's more than capable of doing it. Um, Christian Buswaden, who is seven uh, two, I think he's got the kind of game um, to compete at major championships in the future. Could have that uh, South African um, bounce following Garrick Higo's win last week as well. He and, was right um, up there. He was right up there in the PGA for was, three yeah. rounds, wasn't he, Buswaden? Because mm. uh, his, his putting and short game is astronomically yeah, good. Absolutely, very, very good. Yeah. So if you go back to one of your early assertions um, when when we started this pod a few you know, a few moments ago um, about uh, short game being one of the um, ways to to master Torrey Pines, uh, Christian Buswaden who could, uh, could could really go well here this week. Seven thousand two hundred on on. Uh, on DraftKings, um, Higo, when they priced this, it was before Higo's win. He's the same price, seven thousand two hundred. He will be far too heavily owned, I'm sure. To to forty three percent ownership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, you know, his, his price is uh, he, he was one hundred and twenty five to one when I full, first pulled my analysis together for this, and he's halved since his win, which you'd expect. Um, but his, his DraftKings price has stayed the same, 7 2. So um, he'll be heavily owned. But yeah, at the same price, um, Buswaden, who I, I, could, I could make make a case for. Even Brandon Grace at the same price. I know you're talking specifically European Tour players, but um, kind of an ex European Tour player who's um, maybe a little uh, lower owned than, uh, than some others, 7 2. And he's got a good. U.S. Open record. He was fourth recently as well, wasn't he? He's uh, he's got the distance um, off the tee to to play well around here. I, th- I think there were a few. I think there were a few. What Any if, catch what have you got? Yeah, what have you got on Wilco Ninaber? Yeah, I've, again, you know, for a guy who absolutely smashes it, the the um, 
the uh, the dimensions of Torrey Pines won't upset him at all, will they? There won't be an issue. Six nine it is for Wilco. Mm, somebody somebody put a I, I can't remember where I saw it, but they said it would be funny to have uh, put Wilco with Bryson and <laughs> just and just watch Wilco on. Um, but like the the fact that Wilco has this cruise control um, distance that Bryson seems to have to huff and puff himself up to get to, it would be kind of analogous to what happened Rory when he played with Bryson after Bryson jacked himself up and Rory was like, oh my God, it intimidated him a bit. So it was. they said it would be funny to see um, Wilco with his 325-yard fairway finders um, just, just, just being there beside Bryson. So he's um, that was a good performance by him last week, 14th. Oh, yeah. Well, this is it, isn't it? South Africans, Australians, firm, fast. Yeah. It's like a recipe made in heaven, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Euros, to a certain extent, with that kind of links background. Again, I, th- I think there's going to be an angle here for a, a Mark Leishman, a Cam Smith. You know, can you could you sit there and say that Louis isn't going to get in the mix again this week? I expect Louis does get back in the mix. Does he win? He doesn't tend to, does he? he never won in the United States, but... You know, these kind of players, Louis, we, we know for a fact that Charles Svartzel's got a very good south course average score record around it. I think he ranks third in our analysis, tied with Rory McElroy. There's another there's another guy that's been striping the ball recently, isn't it? Charles Svartzel. So he can play this golf course. He's a two hundred to one shot. Bet three six five at the moment, Charles Svartzel. There's some angles there. I tell you what, Jordan, when I was going through the numbers for the European Tour last week, Jordan Smith seems to have a, a game that would suit a US Open as well. Yeah, again. Very, yeah. Very, he's a very strong driver, he? long, straight, high yes. GIR. I yes, don't, I don't um, think his short game's the strength, but... No, 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 it's, it's the it's short game of putting that lets him down. And the mm. weeks that he can get away with that, the weeks that he can find a, a very high proportion of greens and regulation, he can, uh, he, he can win. Um whether there'll be too many mistakes and too many um, bogeys and doubles for when he does miss those greens. Because ultimately, mm. you know, is, is anyone going to get to 70% greens in regulation this week? The very best ball yeah. striker, probably. One or yeah. two, maybe. And, uh, Do you know, I tell you it was in 2008, it will make you laugh. Top GIR, 70.8% in 2008. Mm. was 73rd for putts per GIR. <laughs> Finished 60th. What, Lucas Glover? Nick Watney. Nick Watney. Who went on to win in 2009, I think, the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah. A Californian guy. So, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, 70%, mate, I think that's going to be topping GIR. That's a lot of greens missed, isn't it? It is. It's a lot of chipping and putting um, to save par. Mm. Making doubles or triples, potentially, with a very bad short game. Do you think anybody gets through this week without a double or a triple, or, no. or, or another? It's, it, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster <laughs> as a punter this week. Well, you're betting that Rory doesn't triple the first, Barry. So that's, that's the we'll, we'll, we'll that's see that's how that bet. goes. Twenty twenty three to one that he doesn't triple the first, or twenty two <laughs> to one that he doesn't triple the first. I wonder what his price jumps to if he does. Probably twenty four. <laughs> yeah, he probably probably goes from twenty to twenty two. Probably been factored in, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, I am going in my tips after Brooks. I have gone for Tony Finau, 
30 to 1 with bet 3658 places each way for T4 Tony. And I've also gone, there was a tiny 35 to 1 sliver out there with bet Victor. And I was humming an R in because, you know, Barry's mantra, go for the additional places, not the price. But he was 35 to 1 there, and the gap down to anything extended was 30. Oh, I can't. You just can't turn those five points down. But thankfully, he was cut as my preview was coming out. So I took 30 to 1, again with bet 365, eight places each way on Patrick Reed. Two um, very, very solid south course players who I think have got uh, the games, the all-round games. Uh, Finau, again, Finau has been putting a bit like Justin Thomas of late. It has to be said, not quite as bad as JT. But when you do look at his performances, he's from Utah. His best performances seem to come actually on power or bent grass greens or a mix. Um, second twice at Riviera, which features the Kikuyu grass and the Poana greens, the firm, fast Poana greens at Riviera. And his record here at um, the, the at Torrey Pines South is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic in terms of what he's done here. It's just a constant stream of top five, top ten finishes here at Torrey Pines. So I just had to take... You you say this quite a lot, Barry, in terms of trying to get someone on your team that you kind of hope or know is going to be in the mix come Sunday, at least for that each-way payout element. And that's fee now for me. Clearly, I'd have preferred... I am on him 40-1 to 1 pre-event. We know that. I mentioned that a while ago. But I topped up at 28 as well. Um, Torrey Pine South average. There's the analysis that's a golf betting system. Someone's literally just tweeted me to say... Um, Patrick Reed, what's his South Course record like, Steve? Uh, I said he ranks second. Adam Scott, over the last five years on the South Course, has got the best average. This is South Course only. I've stripped out the North. 69.5. Patrick Reed, 69.83 in second. Barry's Rory McElroy, 70.25 in third. Tied with Charles Schwarzel. And then Tony Finau sits there in fifth. 70.33. 15 full rounds. He's played every round possible at the Farmers Insurance Open over the last five years, and he sits at 70.33. I couldn't turn down Tony. Are you on Tony, Barry, or is that price too skinny for you? No, I'm on Tony. You are? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the resignation of like, okay, we're on Tony. But yeah. Um, I mean, How does Tony Finau win the US Open this week? Can you yeah, exactly. see a way where he kind of comes from five back see, and I think people he needs capitulating? To, I think he needs to watch the back nine of last week's tournament and visualize <laughs> himself as Gary Kago and watch everybody else melt away. Like the thing, t- Tony's had some unlucky kind of situations where got, you know he's just come up against an unstoppable force. So like, you, you think it's going to happen? Who knows? Um, but his recent majors, like he's, uh, where are we here? He's absurd. So like since, okay, let's discount his first five majors played. Okay. Um, since then he has one, two, three. Are you just recapping what I went through earlier? Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, it's just, it's a, but like in his last, let's say there's 12, eight. He has eight out of his last 13 majors. He's in the top 10. 
Crazy. Madness, mate. Or is it nine? It could be nine. Yeah. Sorry, hang on. Just it's, it's hyper consistent, isn't it? It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's nine. It's virtually nine. yeah. There we go. Nine out of thirteen. His last thirteen majors is in the top ten. Get your get your bonus places. It's almost a banker for um, an each way payout. And particularly say you know with the fact that the guy likes Tari Pines says the you know the tee shots that you know suit his shape, suit his eye. No brainer. Um, it, it kind of is, yeah. Uh, the auto bet, Tony. Um, I think I might. I'm gonna dodge the auto bet, Xander, this week. I just think the the crowds and the that that local pressure um, is just it's a bit too much, and he's so short on the price. Um, there's just that little bit extra there on Tony that just makes it a, that bit more attractive. Um, I was back in Patrick Reed for this, probably back in the winter, mm. probably. In a way, I wish he hadn't won the Farmers Insurance Open because it's kind of hurt his price. But I think again, Reed played very nicely at Memorial last time out. I know he does go miscut, good performance, miscut. So he's due a miscut this time. But I was on him last year at Wing Foot, and he was the leader after thirty six holes, then capitulated on Sun Saturday. But yeah, I just. For me, the US Open is Reed's best chance. I know this sounds ridiculous, and I, I I am aware that he's a Masters champion. I'm aware of that. But actually, if you look on, a, if you look at the way that he plays, and the way that the PGA Championship traditionally plays, the Masters traditionally plays, because Augusta's normally a GIR fest, isn't it? I mean, Matsuama did exactly that this year and won. Will Zalatoris finished runner-up, and it was just high GR, high GIR. That isn't Patrick Reed, but he still won the Masters. The one, the, the best suited you, um, uh, tournament for me in terms of Masters on American soil for Reed is the U.S. Open. I think he's a proper U.S. Open specialist, so I think he's any hype or I don't think he's going to be under any pressure particularly. I don't think he's being talked about like a John Rahm or a Xander. They're they're taking the heat this week. I think Reed just strolls in there under the radar as ever. I think he's got the, a very suitable game for a very firm and nasty Torrey Pine South golf course. And yeah, he ranks second for Torrey Pine, Pine South scoring over his last 12 rounds since 2017. I think there was, was there only one round, Paul, where he shot over par or was it all yeah. par or better? No, no, it was all 72 or better. Yeah, he has, so he's never shot over par around here. No, he's, he's record. Shouldn't say that, but... <laughs> he's not, he's not going to last say that. There's no he's way that's going to He's going to bang in a 79 now on Thursday. He's guaranteed. <laughs> Absolutely guaranteed. I wish I'd shut up there. Maybe he's, <laughs> anyway, taking, maybe he's, he's taking record. Rory's round one. He's taking Rory's round one this week. Well, perhaps he's he doesn't. A, perhaps, yeah. perhaps, he, perhaps he does exactly as you've just described. He goes round in four rounds of 71 or better this week and, and wins the US Open. I can see it. I'm, I'm on read as well, Steve. And I think that... His game, as you've described, um, suits it perfectly. If you, if you were to do a post analysis on a Patrick Reed US Open win, in all likelihood, um, his raw statistics will probably be mid sixties, greens and regulation, putt and chip really, really well. And mm. from what we've seen here, that would win the golf tournament if you can. You you can you know that's the kind of metrics you would expect from a the winner. The other thing and is what have we been saying the past month on this podcast about Patrick Reed and his driving this year? He's added that five yep. to six percentage points of actually hitting fairways. Yep. And that is going to be so vital this week. 
No, that two ninety five fairway finder down the middle. That's, yeah, that's, that's what you want from him, isn't it? It's yeah. probably worth what a couple of shots a tournament. There's the difference. Yeah, especially yeah. here, Barry. Especially yeah. this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. This week it could be worth like three, four shots. Just that extra five percent. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's a good. He's, a, he's got a very good chance. I was absolutely astounded when I saw that statistic with him recently. That the fact that he jumped. And, the, and also at the Memorial the other week, I'm just grabbing my sheet. Um, Memorial, he was seven, he hit 70% of fairways. He was in the top, the top, uh, fifth, top 20 for driving accuracy at the Memorial last time out. This is what I'm saying. He's just so much better now off the tee with his accuracy than he ever used to be. He used to be all over the place off the tee. Yeah, it just seems to have he, kind of wound it back in a little bit, hasn't he, to, to find more. He keeps talking ways. about in all of his interviews that he's been working, working religiously on getting a more, more repeatable swing. He's 59th for driving accuracy so far this season, yeah? And last year, he was 156th. That is crazy. He's gained 100 spots on driving accuracy. And that is over seven percentage points in terms of actual fairways here year on year that's mad so yeah Patrick Reed. you can tell I'm rather excited um the other one I've the other one I've gone <laughs> mid price um I did have a really close look Paul very very tempted on Scotty Scheffler has to be said for a, for an each way payout I think Scheffler's got a lot going for him brilliant off the tee long strokes going off the tee metrics are fantastic um, we don't. I know that he hasn't played well here. I don't think that's an overly bad negative either. You know, players that haven't got a good record will get in the mix this week. That's obvious. Scheffler could be one of those. But in the end, I just had to. I don't know if it's kind of Euro Tour bias or just a local bias, but I had to take Shane. Shane, Shane Lowry. 50 to 1 was hanging there, 10 places each way yesterday with Betfred. And I just think Shane, again, has got such a great game this week for here. And this is it. If, you, if you're looking for Shane Lowry's best major chances, it's clearly an Open Championship, obvious. And in the States, it's got to be a US Open. It's just got to be. And a US Open by the coast, just another tick in the box, really. I know it's not a Lynx, but it's by the coast, and 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 players relate to that. They, you know, oh, I like playing by you know the old sea sea salt smell and all this. I think Larry's got a great chance this week. He's playing outstanding golf right now. Yeah, outstanding golf. And we just know he's a chipping and putting monster. You make that course as firm as fast as you like. Shane Larry's going to lick his chops and say, "Yep, I'm really into this." That's what he likes. So yeah, Lowry. Steve, this is really scaring me how in line the two of us are. I'm on Lowry as well. I'm I sat here yesterday and I just I said to Paul, how can I piss Barry off the most? Right. Yeah. We'll go for all the plays he's gonna back and I'm gonna tip him. And that's exactly what I did. Steve, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, you know, and this might be the one time that we're both in agreement and it actually works. Because Hopefully. it has to. You know, so uh, yeah, he look. was he was seventh here, Barry, on his tournament uh, on his Torrey Pine South debut back in 2015. So clearly likes the course. 
Seventh and thirteenth in his first two goes around it. And he, uh, yeah, I remember him at the Honda Classic where he melted down when he was second going halfway through Saturday, and I was on him. But he said in an interview on the Friday, I just what they said, you know, what is it about a tough tournament you like? And he just said it makes me focus, it gives me goals, and I just like grinding out pars on tough, horrible golf courses. U.S. Open, bring it on. I've nothing, I have nothing more to add. <laughs> <laughs> he concurs. Yeah, it's just a lot. Just just a lot of good things going on in his game. And he's, you know, maybe there's a, a time factor that he's now kind of. He's had the the Open Championship trophy for so long, and maybe just he's kind of relaxing. And he's, you know, he knows that's coming in a month's time. I'll tell you the other thing I think about Barry. Ride a cup year, Padraig's the captain. I think that's just motivating him. I think it's mm-hmm. focusing him because him and Padraig are very close. They travel together. You know, it was noticeable, wasn't it? That PGA Championship, they were in the final group together on Sunday. Yeah. Not the final group, but their, their final round. And they just both played outstandingly well. I, 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 think, I think in a way, Paddy a insp- yeah. I think Paddy's kind of inspiring him to kind of reach those 2019 heights yeah. again. Yeah, I th- I think there might there might it feels like there's a, a pick there from, and the the question is like just show me something so I'm not like ripped apart by everybody in questions for picking you because I'm picking you mm-hmm. just give me just give me enough evidence yeah. that uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's it's unquestionable by anybody and it's you yeah. know th- there's a there's just been so much good stuff the last few weeks you feel like it's building to something this could be the week. Maybe it's a few weeks' time at Sandwich, but um, you know it's it's a lovely bet at fifty to one you got. Um, I, I'm a little bit shorter, but I'm I'm equally happy to be on. Just to let you guys know, there hasn't been any rain on this golf course for a couple of months that I could find. Nothing significant. It's going to play about 22, 23 degrees Celsius every day with about five to ten miles an hour crosswind. That to me again helps the Europeans potentially. I, I, I don't know if you're going to also get this marine layer hanging about like you do in California sometimes. Mm. But that that kind of feels a bit Northern European to me. In fact, we've probably got better weather here right now. But Yeah, I just, I love Larry this week. Absolutely love him. Who else at this price point of view? Have you gone for Scotty, Chef LePoll? No. Um, you haven't? I'm, You've been no. picking him up for weeks. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> the... The point I made when we did the preview show was that, um, you know, statistically a lot of it points towards him. And the one thing that kind of lets him down is his record at Torrey Pines. And, and um, when push comes to shove, I've, I've struck him off my list on that basis, which may okay. prove to be a complete, you know, fatal error, but we, we shall see. Um, so the who one have you gone for? The one I've gone for, um, sub 100 to 1 is Adam Scott. Oh, um, mate, your mate's got <laughs> 130 on the exchange listeners. Yeah, Bonjour, Adam Scott. Oh, no. he's, he's, eight, he's 80 to 1, um, best priced with uh, 365 as going eight places each way. Um, and you've only got to look at his strokes gain stats for Torrey Pines and his record at Torrey Pines. And, you know, there's data for both on the uh, on the site this week um, to, to make a case for him. Um, 
great record here. Second and uh, back in 2019, 10th here earlier this year, which was his best um, best finish of the season so far. Second at the halfway point. I think you were on him that week, Steve, weren't you? Um, oh, I was, yeah. He yeah. collapsed, of course. Third, third after 54 and then just uh, yeah. drift, drifted outside of the uh, each I think he races. hit three, three greens in the final round. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, his last win was uh, at Riviera, which you've talked about yeah. a few times on Parana. Um, you know, and despite a light schedule, he keeps getting himself into the mix in some of these bigger and better events. He does um, stack up. Yeah, he, he's putted. Well, the three times he was 26th here as well in 2008 when Woods won. And each time he's putted at sub 1.7 putting average, which for Adam Scott is really quite strong. Um, mm. Long enough, you mentioned him on the driving distance stats as well. Uh, yep. Last time out, 16th at Muirfield Village, um, ninth for total driving, and 18 top 10s at majors over the years in addition to his Masters mm. victory. What price did you get him at each way? Um, 80 to 1. So I've backed him mm. eight, each way at 80s, and as you said, I also took him earlier, um, well, back in the last week, at 140 on the exchange. Paul the man that cannot trade a bet on Betfair to straight <laughs> to... to <laughs> to save his life has gone 140 win only on the machine with it's, Adam Scott. It's what not trading. What could go wrong? No, the only way, the only thing you use exchange for is non-exchange bets. You're going purely for the maximum win. There's there's no laying involved, Steve. Don't be ridiculous. So when he's six, when he's six clear, coming down yeah. the final hole, yeah, Paul will be sitting there beating his chest at three in the morning because uh, it's West Coast time on the states. Mm. He's got a good. Ch- if if Scott turns up mentally, and I was on him at the Masters, and he was shocking. If he actually has got his head right this week and just is turning up at a major, I mean, clearly this is one of his best courses on in the United States. That's obvious, and yeah, I was all over him at the Farmers Insurance, as I think half the world were. So yeah, it all makes sense. All makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so Scott's. I'd yeah. certainly rather be on him at eighty to one than Tommy Fleetwood at fifty-five to one or fifty to one. I'm seeing with Skybet. That's a shocking price on Tommy Fleetwood. But yes, yeah, Scott makes a lot of sense at that kind of price point. DK play for you? Yeah, potentially. Um, I don't think anyone will touch him on DK. I really no, don't. No, this, I, I think I think DK is going to take a take a lot of thought this week to try and work it through because there there are a lot of a lower price kind of seven thousand yeah. kind of players who you could build a team and you could go for a real stars and scrubs setup and they'll all be on hick they'll all be on coke crag connors yeah. answer no one will put adam scott in their team very no, few no, no. no higo will be double figures zoned i expect so so yeah, yeah. There's, there's scope for a little bit of differenti- differentiation further down i think I tell you what I must do before we finish this. Top 12 strokes gained. Uh, sorry, t- top 12 scoring average here, 2017 through 2021. South course only. Farmers Insurance Open. Coke Co- Crag at 12. Morikara at 11. Justin Rose at 10. Bubba Watson and Victor Hovland at 9. Uh, sorry, tied 8th. Do not, do not, do not. Do not back Bubba Watson at US Open. Is that clear? John Rahm, then at seven. Leishman at six, who we haven't mentioned and I expect no one will mention. Finau at five. Charles Svartzel and McElroy tied for third. Reed second. And as Paul said, Adam Scott, 
the best south course average score the last five years, six rounds, 69.5 for Adam Scott. Um, I've got one more bet. Barry, you inspired me in the um, US Open research podcast last time out. I listened to you. I bowed to your judgment. What you told me made absolutely crystal clear sense. So I backed him as well. Max Homer, three quarters of a point each way. Yesterday, I got 110 to one with bet three, six, five, eight places each way. Max Homer. If he actually turns up this week and doesn't beat him up, this is a major and all that rubbish, just comes here and plays golf, I think Max Homer's got a great chance of an each way place. I I feel this is a big week in our friendship, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Make or break. Yeah. What, the fact I've put the kiss of death on every one of your bets this week? Or, yeah, or vice versa. Who knows? Who knows? But um, if Barry doesn't come on the podcast next week, you know he's completely and utterly cheesed off with me. So I've destroyed his US Open betting selections. Or, or I'm hung over from massive celebrations of uh, landing home at plus uh, over a hundred to one. Well, Paul said this to me yesterday, and Paul is right. He's you're you're right quite a lot of the time, Paul. It has to be said. I don't know about Adam Scott one forty on the exchange, but. <laughs> The thing with Max Homer is the guy can win big tournaments. So he's got balls, isn't he? You know, you don't you don't win the 2019 Wells Fargo Championship at um, Quail Hollow as your first PGA Tour win in a stacked field and not be, you know, you have to be talented. And to win at Riviera this year in a major strength field at the... Um, Genesis Invitational on Poana Greens and a golf course that's stacked with Kikuyu grass firm and fast all week there's there's so many connotations and you know we were talking about US Open winners on the West Coast and where they've, they've shown snippets in the past of playing well in California, playing well on West Coast Poana Max Homer just ticks every single box. Has to be said. Just really... With Max, it's all in the mind, isn't it? It's just... It, I mean, I, I backed him, ridiculously backed him to defend his Wells Fargo. And he, he was plus five after five holes. He was awful. But this week, he's got no expectations. He's got... As long as he goes there and plays his game and doesn't think, oh, it's a major and the knees start knocking, I think he's got a good chance, really good chance. I don't know what else to add to it. Yeah, um, you stole my pick, but I'm okay with it as long as he wins. Yeah, I, it's um, you know little things as well, like you know when Bones um, caddied for him at the PGA and just uh, was um, was on the No Ling Up podcast and and saying it's just. A premium ball striker, and uh, yeah. you know that's yeah. some little things like that from one of the most experienced caddies on tour really stick with you. Um, and it's just another little thing to add to the bet. Uh, I'm not sure how 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 much he's been kind of backed in at this stage, but um, got on him maximum places at uh, 
over into the triple digits. And I've also backed him on the exchange for a zero lay option. We're going all in on it. So we'll... <laughs> He's a hundred to one with Bet Victor, the only the only company that's six places each way this week. Yeah, um, he is. Mm, if you want in your ten, yeah, if you want in your ten spots, he's eighty to one. Yeah. I, I I got super super greedy and why not one hundred and ten? I got the eight places with Bet three six five. Uh, Boyle Sports is a seventy to one shot with the ten places, but yeah. 80s is available with Paddy Power. Most of the firms were at that point. He hasn't been backed in, but that 110 price point for me was wrong, so I just took it. Yeah, I'll be watching the price with great uh, interest later on when this podcast is released, just to see how much weight we actually carry in the market, Steve. <laughs> well, and he's lengthening in price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a sea of purple. Barry's money is on the exchange. I want a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> got any other longer Paul, you, shots, Barry? Yeah, Paul. Well, Paul, you've got a whole tranche of long shots. Yeah, I've got, I've got three. Long yeah. shot piece. Do you want to quickly go through them? Yeah, and Barry I've, can talk I've, through I've his triples. Yeah, the other three I've backed at uh, much longer prices. Bobby McIntyre, two hundred to one. Um, who's been really quite impressive at the majors so far. Five cuts from mm. five major starts. He was sick for yeah. the Open. Uh, on his major debut a couple of years back, 12th of Augusta this year, which was really good as well. And yeah, he's got to have an eye on Ryder Cup qualification, really. McIntyre is not that far out of the uh, qualification so. places, is he? And uh, you know, a big opportunity like this should be um, should be right up his alley, I think. Uh, one the Cypress Showdown by the coast. I know it's you know how many rungs down the ladder in terms of quality versus this, but um, you know he's got the right kind of skill set for me and. Even even his last start, he went to Denmark after the PGA Championship. Um, really didn't want to, really wanted to go home and just uh, and just chill out. But he's he still put a shift in. Um, his his short game looked on point there. And when he's at the top of his game, it's um, his total drive and his long game which can really shine yeah. as well. So if he plays well, and I suspect he will play reasonably well this week, um, he could uh, he could threaten an each way place at two hundred to one. What um, price is he on DK? Uh he is Sorry. seven seven thousand. God exactly seven thousand. He'll, he'll you know our friends over in North America, he won't be popping in models, mate. So that that's yeah. a decent play at seven thousand, uh, isn't it? Yeah, you might you might get a percent or two max out of him, I guess. And wow. so, Imagine I, if you I, get I, a top twenty, eh, out of Robert or a top ten in this yeah. case for the each way bump punt. Yeah, I could, I could see him. I could see him threatening each way place, and uh, he'll be a great player at that kind of uh, mm. that kind of level. Um, yep. The other two are much longer. Um, Jimmy Walker, I've backed at five hundred to one, and that was with seven places with Unibet. I couldn't turn down the number. Um, you can get him with more places of four or three hundred to one, but I've been super greedy with Jimmy. Um, sick for the memorial. <laughs> we've spoken about this before. It's not like Paul, is it? Though he is finishing ninth. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Barry, you know when I say a number, I just can't resist. It's I know. Just, uh, <laughs> where did that memorial? Where did that memorial performance come? I don't know. Jimmy Walker, yeah, unbelievable. Flash in the pan, maybe, but potentially a sign of things to come. And that's no, the first... there's been there's been something there, Paul. It's yeah. just you, you know we look at the stats week in week out. It's like Luke Donald at the moment. There's definitely something percolating with some of these old guys. Mm. They've been inspired. Something's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been working with Bo Van Pelt. He's, yeah, exactly. Where did that come from? Yeah. He's been working no, hard. Something happening with Jimmy. 
Yeah, mm. that was his first top 10 for three years. But if you look back wow. when he got that top 10 um, back in 2018, um, he actually reeled off three on the trot. The middle middle one was second place at the Players' Championship, so in you know, yeah, pretty elite company that. as well. Um, and then he went right back off the boil again. But I, I, I follow him on Instagram and he was talking on there about how that's kind of uh, rekindled some thoughts and some emotions that he didn't think he was ever going to feel again about uh, playing professional golf. So... Um, he's been working hard in his game, and uh, you know, good for him. Yeah, he's a major champion. Can he? Can he do do well this week? Potentially, he's got four top eight finishes around here at Torrey from back in the day when he was good. And, and you when remember something, back when something like Lyme's disease strikes your back when you're at your peak. You've just won a major. He was and he, he was a late developer, Jimmy, wasn't he? he won his major, and then the next year you heard, oh, Lyme's disease, and it's it, you know that's such a shame. Yeah, such yeah. a shame for such a quality. A nice guy, Jimmy Walker. Yeah, he is. I, I remember back, um, going back five years or so ago, when when you start first started pulling together some of your more extended data and stats for, for our predictor model, and uh, the West Coast stats always yeah. used to be completely dominated by Jimmy Walker. He loves yeah. playing on the west side of Pebble, the, uh, Riviera, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah even you know, Hawaii, if you lump that in as well. There's there's, there's a mm. lot of uh, a lot of form on that side of the US for, for you to grab onto with Jimmy Walker. So, so yeah, quite happy to take him at 500s. Also at 500s, um, this time with 10 places each way, you'd be glad to know. Um, I backed Chan Kim, who oh, yes. uh, we, we mentioned back on the uh, the preview pod, didn't we? Um, he lad. took medalist honours that uh, that uh, week to top his sectional qualifying to book his place here, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think he can outperform his price. He grew up in Hawaii, and plays most of his golf over in Japan um, at the moment, and uh, he's won five um, of his last sixty global starts. So he's one of these players who can go over the line. But when he's come and played some of the bigger tournaments, and he's played the Open, he's played the he played the PGA Championship uh, a couple yeah. of weeks back. Um, it Top was twenty, 11th, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, twenty third, yeah, twenty um, third, yeah. Kira Island, eleventh um, at the Open Championship in twenty seventeen. And if you look at his raw stats, he's one of the longest hitters, if not the longest hitter on the Japan Tour. So the dimensions there won't uh, won't worry him, I don't think. And if you look at it, the way he wins as well, his last three wins on the Japan Tour have come at six under, one over, and eight under. They're not 25 under birdie fests. They're more stringent tests that he's winning over on the Japan Tour. So a tougher test like a US Open could be one where he outperforms his price. And again, 500 to one, I think he's, what, 6,100 6, on DraftKings. So if you need a filler right at the bottom end to stick in your team, I think you could go far worse than picking a Chan Kim to uh, to outperform his uh, expectations this week. Yeah, that's me. That's me. It's tempting that five hundred to one. Yeah, thousand on the exchange barrel if you want to go win only. Oh, it's Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. You, You got any bombs, Barry? Any any longer prices you fancy? Nothing I've kind of uh, that's grabbed my attention um, to the extent that yours have to make you bet on them. Um, I, not yet. No, I like the Chan Kim shout. Um, mm. so Five hundred one price is always quite appealing. You know, the chance of a hundred to one payout for him sneaking into the top ten. Yep. Those numbers were so good at the PGA Championship. He appears in a lot of my top twenty-five stats. A lot yep. of them. In fact, virtually all of them. Now, I'm not suggesting this is going to be a Garrick-Hicko type situation, 
But he's clearly playing well, and 500 to 1 is a derisory price, really. No one's giving, you know, he's down there with Sam Ryder and Cole Hammer. Yeah. Um, he's better than that. Yeah, he's, he's top 70, top 80 in the world. He's, he's, yeah. he's a better player than the, the price. Same price as Robbie Shelton and Brian Stewart. I mean, please. He's better. So, yeah. I might have, I might go like, I might pup, pup out and go for like a top 20 bet or something on Chan Kim. I can see that. I can see it big style. Hmm. Any interesting... I know you'll be pulling together your fantastic first round leader analysis, Paul, later today. Yeah. Is there anything yeah. that's slapping you in the face early doors on that or is it something to wait for? I think, I, I always like to see the uh, see the draw before I go any further with it. But... Um, yeah, there's a few names that always kind of crop up. Ryan Palmer's one that I could, um, could well end up going with if he has a, a good draw. Um, he's one that I like in the first round leader markets generally, and he, he's played well here as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few. But no, um, keep an eye for that. It will probably be first thing Wednesday morning, I expect, by the time we've uh, digested the draw and the latest weather forecast and pushed that out. So, so yeah, keep an eye on the website for that. I know, I know you're not a lover of chopping up prices, but Treble Eight Sport top twenty Chan Kim is sixteen to one. Mm. That to me feels like quite a nice bet. He's also yep. been backed because I'm seeing blue against him on a number of firms, twelve mm. to one. There you go. Yeah, but Stevie's a thousand for the win on the exchange. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. I know, I know you guys I've... wouldn't touch it with mine, but. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been mad about those top ten and top twenty bets. It always feels like the the oh, the, the chop get, of the price get, from yeah. the main the, 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 from the main each way price. Like let's say for yeah. each way 10, 11 places. It just and feels, also yeah, it'll get chopped to bits when there's seven, you know there's thirty people in the top tied twentieth. It's yeah, that's <coughs> what you're saying. Yeah. That's those those are the killers when you get those when you get those chops. So. Yeah, that's why those bet. I don't know. Those bets never really form part of like what I'd uh, stake in a, no. in a given week. So um, I'm, you know, get on the each way. Paul, I've backed Chan Kim. I'm with you. I'm, I'm just, we're, just, we're all so heavily aligned this week that it's quite quite scary, isn't it? How have Boop. you backed him each way on the exchange? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm okay with the each way five hundred. Yeah, to one. I think. Yeah. Uh, I won't back it, guys, because I, I I don't want a Titanic your Chan Kim bet. So I'll leave him alone. I know, Steve. Join the party. Join the party. Like we're all oh, in. Okay. We're, we're sinking yeah, or swimming okay. together this week. I'll bang a couple of my uh, couple of my um, quid on that one. Yeah, okay. Why wouldn't you? Five hundred to one. Crazy price. Are we done? Oh, I think so. Yes. Good luck, right. guys. Looking forward to this one. I never really looked forward to the Kia Island PG. I don't know why. It was kind of, I don't know, Masters is always. But this one, I've, I really like the sound of this week. I think it's going to be a cracking tournament. I really do. I just hope that the USGA don't make a complete Horlicks of it. No, no. And all of a sudden, like 12 unders leading after the like uh, Friday lunchtime. Yeah, I can't see it. No chance. No, I don't think so. I uh, appreciate your time this week, gentlemen. I hope your bets all go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Yeah, good luck, everybody. Um, if you're a first-time listener, this podcast comes out pretty much every week. We cover the PGA Tour and the European Tour. We will be back again next week for the Travellers' Championship on the PGA Tour. And, Paul, what's on the European Tour? 
Uh, it's the um, BMW International Open at uh, München Eichenried. There you go. We'll be back then. I hope all your bets go well. See you later. Bye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf